where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Welcome back to the Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso. I'm very happy to welcome you to our year-end episode, the year in review, lounge in review. And I just want to re-emphasize that we are so grateful to have you with us, to have joined us this year since we launched this show, and uh, that you're joining us for a year-end analysis. I think it's going to be a long show. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Matthew Halleck, Michael Thiessen, and Andrew DiBartolo. Guys, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts getting into a year-end episode here? I feel Man, like DiBartolo is already setting the stage for a fight. That's that's how I feel. Like, he's just all serious. We're here to have fun, and <laughs> no, he's, like, you know what? dead serious. My, my first thought is I am... I am utterly mesmerized by the wallpaper behind you, Mike. I think it is. I think it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm just. I'm in awe of that wallpaper. Yeah. That's all I can. Think Who about could right not now. like that wallpaper? Is the question. Yeah. I think I have a what spare kind of that at home. If you want me to send that to you, who FedEx. And their, uh, Andrew who, who and their wife? Who and their wife would not appreciate? I, I, I vertical lines. Yeah. I am shooting in that, one of those. It's slimming on my well, it looks like it looks like black and white, but it's been in the sun yeah. for five yeah. years, and so it's exactly. kind of faded. It, who wouldn't? Who would the just vertical lines make Mike look taller wow. too? So that's that's always just, a good thing as well. For all not, our listeners who that's don't share this exquisite taste that. in French wallpaper, <laughs> I'm going to move on, guys. But I do appreciate your artistic insights and analysis. But we have a lot of bigger things to Tim get to. Tim won't give it away. Tim won't give it away that it's in his kitchen that I'm shooting this. He wasn't going to give it away. That's fine. Go ahead, Tim. You're not even. It, it. Well, I said those who didn't share their our exquisite taste in French wallpaper, we are going to bring uh, them along with other issues. So, guys, it is the year-end show, and we're going to begin as we always do here in the lounge with a very special year-end. Liberty Lounge monologue. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every matter under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. 
And so we begin this year-end episode with an ancient reminder from God's holy book. A reminder that I believe we sorely need as Canadians and Americans still spinning from the cultural whirlwind that seems to have escaped all forms of containment in the past 33 months. Passing and shallow explanations and prophecies will not suffice to calm our hearts or point us forward. So we need to turn to the Bible's great wisdom literature here in the Proverbs. So there are two ways to receive these words that I just read, this passage, which were written by humanity's wisest man, a king named Solomon. The first way would be to scoff at the obvious. On first reading, these verses simply describe life's activities in antithetical arrangement. True enough, we all experience the joy of new birth and the sorrow of death. But behind this text's descriptive power stands a subtle invitation toward insight. Here's what I mean. The former reading, mere description, is what we all do automatically. You see a funeral procession uh, procession, and perceive grief and sadness. Passing a wedding party, having photos taken, you feel the warmth of their joy. We all pick up on particular cues around us. That's part of social integration. Uh, But the broader call of Solomon, what he holds out to us, is a deeper analysis. The task of taking particular cues or events, hundreds or thousands of them, and synthesizing a deeper insight. A friend of our podcast and uh, fellow podcaster, Steve Dace, is often heard describing a wise or insightful man or woman as someone who, quote, knows what time it is. That is, somebody who sees the signs of the times, who sees the larger trends, and acts accordingly or speaks accordingly. So here's where the rubber meets the road. Solomon is saying to us, the wise man doesn't just live his life passively observing events, but he understands them. Jesus said that we will both, there will both be times of rumors of wars and of actual wars, and it helps to know the difference. And here's why we need Solomon's reminder. We North Americans have lived under the post-war consensus for nearly 80 years, in times of social stability, where deviancy was easy to detect. And generally, deviancy stayed in the fringes of society. The family was strong, institutions worked with and not against the family and the church, and the economy had a strong foundation. Giving credit where it is due, many writers and commentators and even pastors saw changes coming and warned us. One example being William Gairdner, who's also been on Mike Thiessen's show, who wrote The Trouble with Canada, uh, seeing the social trends and warning Canadians about the downfall of our cultural fabric. It's obvious now that we can't treat such analysis as mere intellectual musing. We see the consequences of these things playing out in front of us. The COVID event, which I'm now going to dub the Event Horizon Zero, has indisputably unleashed social upheaval unknown to our generation beforehand. We simply cannot stand by and observe particulars with positive or negative responses. We must be learners and knowers of the times. I believe that your quality of life, the strength of your family, and your economic stability will largely now flow from your understanding of the times. Is it a time to bind together, whether it be family disputes, church divisions, long-time relationships, or is it a time to tear apart? Is it a time for silence, which would be shrewd or subtle social interaction, or is it a time for bold speech? 
And so our aim here at the Liberty Coalition, which would include this show, the Liberty Lounge, will be to socially and spiritually and culturally develop as wise and shrewd learners and to be prepared for incoming storms. So thank you once again to our listeners for joining us on the show today. We are honored by your presence and we're honored by your support of the show. And uh, we're going to have a great year end show for you today. And we're going to invite your feedback. Um, But we're going to kind of cover 2022 as it unfolded. And I want to hear from our guys uh, in the studio this morning. But before we do, I want to give out a big shout out to one of our sponsors, Red Balloon. You've seen their ads. They're actually quite hilarious. Uh, But today I'm shooting from their posh recording studios, uh, which they have graciously provided here in Moscow, Idaho. Beautiful Moscow. And uh, they've been so great to welcome us here. Uh, What a great sponsor. Uh, But before we get into some other stuff, Andrew, can you just give us a brief update on some of our sponsors? Who are we working with? How have their businesses grown? And maybe give a little plug for uh, partnering with us in 2023. So Red Balloon, like you've uh, stated, is one of our sponsors. Uh, We also have Resistance Coffee Company. Um, Their coffee is delicious, and I've actually given the gift of coffee to my other elder this year. He was quite – yeah, Matt, I got him that mug. I got him the defund the CBC mug. Um, They're another one of our sponsors. Rocklink Investment Partners is also a sponsor of ours. Uh, We're also joined by Bull Bitcoin, a Canadian Bitcoin exchange. We've had the opportunity to interview people from all of these organizations as well and hear about their story and why it is that they also, um, why they've joined with us because they're like-minded in terms of freedoms and liberties and some of the tyranny we've seen from our government. Um, The invitation obviously is to invite people to partner with us. I think that we're wanting to establish a, a culture an economy of like-minded people. You know, we know that the people who partner with us as sponsors, they're taking a risk because we're a little bit of a hot potato. We know that. Um, we also know that people that despise our freedoms won't have anything to do with us because they hate us and they despise Western civilization. So we'll never get Starbucks to uh, to sponsor us, and that's fine because their coffee's bitter and they murder babies, so we don't want anything to do with them. But for people who are concerned with where things are going in Canada, for people who say, we live in the kind of climate where partnering with an organization like Liberty Coalition Canada is dangerous in that, what if we get canceled? What if we lose people? Well, part of the way that we push back against that is we actually grow a strong organization and we grow a strong economy and we grow businesses that are like-minded. And so if you want to reach other Canadians... And I mean, internationally as well, we have an audience in America and some people even overseas in Europe that consume some of our content. If you want to reach people that are like-minded, right? If you're looking for people to support your business, if you're looking for a workforce that they're not concerned with rainbowing their hair and making sure that all the HR boxes are ticked in woke fashion, then partner with us, join us, support us to help grow our organization so we can keep doing more of the good work that we're doing and highlighting. So I'll just give one, one bit of anecdotal number. Um, Resistance Coffee Company, when they first partnered with us, for the first month, uh, we, through our affiliate link, were able to generate about 
twelve, maybe thirteen hundred dollars worth of sales. This is just for the month of October, and in the month of November, uh, that number is up and beyond four thousand dollars. So that's basically a triple of uh, the amount of sales from us from people using our affiliate link. Um, it's also the case for Rocklink Investment Partners that they essentially have people every week reaching out to them, moving their investments over. And at this point, those investments are, I mean, I, I believe they're well over millions of dollars worth of investments. Uh, Bull Bitcoin as well, the update from them is that we basically have been able to generate some $25,000 in Bitcoin sales for them. And so those are the numbers. And so if you, if you want... Yeah. Yeah. If you want to grow, if you want to grow your business and if you want to see a return on investment, uh, as long as you're okay with an organization that dabbles in the unsavory and the controversial, uh, I can tell you this much. There's no one else in Canada like us. There is not a single organization in Canada that is fighting for freedoms and liberties that is distinctly Christian and conservative that's doing new stuff, legal. There's no one I can say definitively. There we is might no need a verb like stronger us. than dabble, so, but uh, uh, your, your point is well taken, yeah. Andrew. Thanks for that sure. update. Swim, swim yeah. head first. That's right. Put yeah, it all up front. Uh, and uh, genuinely, Tim, it that's was fantastic. a moment of discretion on Andrew's part. Let's not just let's not discourage <laughs> discretion. Oh, okay. or... I'm trying to save it all for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm, I want a slow drip, yeah. and so we'll start. We'll start with okay. Less and so I do, things. and I've mentioned this on the show before. Huge props and respect to our audience for going and supporting those businesses. And we encouraged that a, a couple months ago on our show. We said, hey, go buy their coffee. Go set up an investment portfolio with Rocklink. Uh, go go use these the currency exchange or whatever it is. Support these businesses so that they know it's worth investing in your conservative audience. You know, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited yeah, to hear it's, that. It's, it's, that's great. It's a very good point, Tim, especially just before we move on. So much of the reason why you have the culture that we do when it comes to corporate America, corporate Canada, and how they're adopting all these woke ideologies and these policies is particularly because they fear the left and they're redressing grievances against their corporations more than the right. Um, So by supporting businesses and showing that we can get behind them, that will dissuade them from continuing to go down these woke, um, these woke directions. And you see that what's happened in Disney, right? They've, they've had to let a CEO go because of all the pushback that they've got from their secret gay agenda that they're pushing over there. And so much of their stuff they're doing, their stock plummeted. So I'm happy to see that people are starting to wake up to see the reality of, you know, if not building an alternate economy, holding people who are ideological actors in that space accountable for what they're doing. So and, we are and just this so, all links so together. thankful for that. This all links together so well with Tim's opening monologue, guys, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because yeah. really when we're talking about there is a time for everything, yeah. I think I think in the Canadian culture and in the North American culture, people would still be saying it, it's a time not – to um, make waves. It's a time, it's a time to just endure. (laughs) You know, uh, we see this from the conservative party in Canada. We see this from the Republicans in the United States where there is this, 
there's this failure to get out there and engage the social topics for the fear of loss. And of course, that's what Ecclesiastes is addressing here. This is what Solomon in his old age uh, is saying. He's saying everything is vapor. Everything is fleeting. And uh, so therefore, you know, don't, don't unduly hold on because there's a time for everything. And don't unduly hold on to your silence because there's going to be a time to speak. And don't, uh, you know, don't hold on to, you know, one way of going about something when we're called to react to the environment. So particular phrase to you. I love that insight. Thank you. And I'm glad you tied that in because there there is that one phrase that really uh, spoke to me, which was that there is a time to search and there's a time to give up as lost. I mean, that is deeply profound uh, for the cultural moment that we are in. And again, we, this takes wisdom. This takes an- analysis. This takes discussion and debate. Um, life is com- complicated, right? We, we can't mm-hmm. just have knee-jerk reactions to things um, and say, blow everything up, right? There, there's wisdom in how we go through our cultural moment. Um, and I think if we're not wise in that, we're going to be stuck on a lot of sinking ships, you know, refusing to get our kids out of public schools or, you know, refusing to leave a church that has proven itself unfaithful and passive, um, getting stuck in these. But also we can be guilty of trying to burn everything down and say all church, the, the church is no good or, you know, the government needs to be overthrown or things like this where Christians need to take an approach that says, what are the times that we're in? And again, I think, you know, Maxime Bernier, we've, a friend of our show as well, we've had great respect for him because he looked at the Conservative Party and said, there's a time to give up as lost. This party can't be moved politically or ideologically mm-hmm. in a direction that conservatives and libertarians need. And so, uh, although we don't affirm everything about certain libertarian views, we would say that is a wise move from somebody who said, look, I'm looking at the signs of the times and what we want to do as Christians is to help engage in those things and and learn how do we decide what to do how do we decide when to make those decisions and hopefully that's part of our programming going forward um but before we get into some of the summary of last year or this year um i forget when this episode's airing but it is christmas time it's year end and guys i don't want to just go negative at everything there's a time for everything and so i want to hear about you guys in terms of christmas you guys are all christians um 75% 75% of us are pastors. Uh, Matt Halleck is a very passionate layman and a great theologian. Um, and so we want, just from our Christian perspective, guys, tell me about just a little bit about how you organize your family around Advent and Christmas. Uh, beyond a cliche that we, you know, Christmas is about Jesus. You know, we talk about freedom of religion. Mike and I talked about this on Dispatch a year ago. Freedom of religion is not just the personal freedom to believe something. It is the freedom to act it out. It is the freedom to embody your beliefs. And so we want to talk about building and preserving as well and not just talk about change and overthrow and tearing down. So guys, tell me, each one of you, what you plan on doing or what you did over Christmas to bind together your beliefs with your life and teach your kids to embody uh, what we believe the Christmas season is about. And maybe hopefully something can inspire our listeners in that. Um, Whoever's got the first one, just go ahead and shoot. I'd love to hear what you guys do to make Christmas meaningful and embody your faith in God. I got I got a few things that we uh, we, we we've done. One is that 
we've done a lot of baking together as a family. Lots of lots of crisp, lots of cookies, and 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 we do it together, which is nice. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of eating sweets as well. Um, so that's an activity we do. Uh, I mean, Christmas music is basically always playing in our house and has been for the last number of weeks. And so it's on in the background. It's playing. The kids are singing, right? Our house is full of, full of songs. It's always full of music, but this time of year, it's especially full of songs about the birth of Christ and the incarnation. So there's that. Um, we don't do Elf on the Shelf because that's pagan. So we do, um, we do something called Shepherd on the Search which is this little shepherd doll, that same thing. You kind of hide him every morning in December and the kids have to find him. And the whole thing is he's the shepherd looking for Jesus. And so, you know, this day he's at the top of the tree. And I thought I'd, you know, I, there's a little note that says, I thought I could get a better view from where to find Jesus. So, so we do that as well. Uh, just things like that. It's, it's, it, it, there isn't this kind of big, every day is a big event. But in our family at this time of year, Every day, all day long, it's these undertones of of, of Christian yeah. things, yeah. baking and singing yeah. and laughing. And we, we're, we watch a lot of Christmas movies. It just kind of permeates our house uh, and it makes it a fun place that smells great. True. That's um, <laughs> yeah. very bright. That's that's this time of year in our home. Yeah, and I think that's, that, that's a good good thing to inculcate, Andrew, is this is a season to rejoice, right? The incarnation and the truth thereof is something that we shouldn't be dour about as, as Christians. Often we, we get in these aesthetic tendencies where we just want to, uh, you know, like just beat ourselves all the time. And, uh, you know, because it makes us seem more pious and religious. But, you know, the overabundance of grace that we have in Christ, that amazing gift that this entire season centers around ought to make us rejoice. We ought to have music, rich food glad tidings right that's why i i love you know i i'm sad that quite often christmas music is only played at christmas because there's so much rich theology that is embedded in that um that that we often you know just put to the to the end of the year now i love this time of year we're a new family right i have a newborn daughter and just newly married so we're trying to figure out our traditions probably going to take the shepherd on the search tradition from you andrew um but uh you know it, we're we're the same way. We we do an advent calendar. We ha we do readings each and every day with um, song and prayer, and we're just trying to reflect on the good news that um, God has tabernacled amongst His people. That He's in that He in the person of Christ. He He took on human flesh and condescended into creation to live that perfect life that we can't live to die the death that we deserve and and what all that entails, what all that means, and the fact that in doing so. Uh, Christ brought a kingdom, and now he's establishing this new kingdom order, um, this 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 new reality that uh, all those who are are, are hid in him are, are partaking in. So that's kind of what we try and think about and try and tie everything that we're doing back into this into that season and and focus i think um, especially on some of those themes that are so present in the christmas narrative that throughout the year we too often forget about but um it, it's important to focus on so that's kind of 
uh, for lack of, you know, more specifics. Sure. That's kind of what we try and focus on. I appreciate on. that, Matt. Mike, what do you got for <laughs> us? You got something juicy going in there. Yeah, I would say that it, being being the oldest man on the call and having the uh, the oldest children, uh, there's a few traditions that we have found really uh, exciting over the last number of years. Um, I, I I would say that daily readings, my wife is um, very thoughtful in going out and finding a new Advent book to to have us work through, and I appreciate her support in that. And so we do a daily reading. The kids asked me this year, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, the only thing I want to do is to try to sing together every day. And so, like, actually, you know, get get my daughter on the piano, get get my sons on the guitars, get my other daughter on the drums and, and we all sing. And so, um, that has not come to fruition as of yet this year. We've done a little bit in the past, but I know the kids are going to kick it into high gear and next week we're, we're committed to, to doing that. Um, going annually to see the handles Messiah, um, is something that I have always looked forward to. And we always try to take the children to the singing of scripture, the connection to uh, brilliant Christian artistry and and song. Uh, my wife and I uh, went to the Gettys con- went to a Gettys concert uh, this fall, and uh, the Gettys did a, a very quick version of the hallelujah chorus in the middle of their set. And we had no idea what to do because we're both so used to just instantly standing and crying whenever the hallelujah chorus is played. Uh, so yeah, those are some of the things we like to, we like to cook and spend a lot of time together and reflect on the goodness of the Lord. Um, you know, generally throw stones at anything, Santa. So that's yeah. the other thing we vandalize yeah. Santa, yeah. Santa <laughs> paraphernalia. Uh, guys, I appreciate that. And the reason I wanted to go through that was um, be, just to remind our listeners that uh, life is not lived online. Life is not carried out in social media debates. Life is not on a blog or on a live podcast. This is not where life is lived in earnest. Uh, it really plays out in the home. It plays out with your loved ones, with your neighbors, with those who are closest to you, mostly geographically, but of course we all have family and friends all over the countries and uh, all over the world. And so, but life is lived out in real life. And we too often forget that in a world that is saturated, our phones are in our pockets, our Twitter feeds never stop. Um, and we want to know the hottest takes and we want to know who's going to react to Joe Biden's latest gaffe. And we want to, but the danger there is that we let go of opportunities to actually shape the future by, by embodying our faith. And if you have children in your home or, you know, young children, obviously, but if you've got children in your home who are approaching college age, you have a diminishing amount of time to build into them, to pour into them, to shape them in the way they think. And I, and I really believe that there is a helplessness that a lot of especially conservatives feel where they just feel like their children are totally given to every influence. Maybe it's not Disney, maybe it is, um, but personalities on TikTok and social media stars and influencers on Instagram, and they just think, what can I do? And maybe one thing you can take from this little segment is just to say, you know what, maybe tonight... After dinner, I'm going to say, everyone put your phones away. Or maybe dad or mom can take their one phone out and look up the lyrics to O Little Town of Bethlehem or God Rest You Merry Gentlemen and just say, let's try this together. Let's sing. And maybe it'll be totally weird for your family because you think, we've never sung together. Um, But these are the things that build a real culture. Music, food, 
uh, deep religious belief. These are the things that create culture. And obviously, we want to encourage you to center that around Jesus Christ. And there's no better time than Christmas to really uh, to really uh, pour into that. So putting that aside, we want to say, just encourage you, be culture builders in your own home. Uh, and that's one of the things that we want to help you do. And maybe hopefully some of this gave you an idea. Shepherd on the Search, uh, singing Christmas hymns, all those things. Be joyful. Um, don't be defeated by the latest headlines. Uh, but... We do analysis, we do worldview analysis on this show, and it is the Liberty Lounge, and so we want to talk about liberty. Guys, I want to go over the year that just was. Okay, I want to go over that. I want to do a bit of our 2022 year in review. So we're just going to shift gears a little bit here, segment-wise, um, and we're going to talk about some of the stories that unfolded during 2022. And I don't think there's a better place to start than the trucker convoy. We're going to go back to that right now. Um, because a lot has happened, and uh, Andrew DiBartolo just wrote a fantastic article at ChristianWeek.org on the Public Order Emergency Commission, which took place where authorities testified under review, under oath, including our Prime Minister. And so, I want to just remember the convoy for a minute, kind of what we remember about it, and in in hindsight how we think it affected Canadian culture, the effect that it plays now in sort of, I mean, that's going to be like a cultural myth almost for the next 20 years, this sort of mythical event. And I don't mean mythical in the false sense, but in the legendary sense. Um, it's, it's our, our Woodstock, Thank Tim. you. It's our generation's Woodstock. So, Andrew, um, just uh, don't rehash the article because our readers, our, our listeners can go read that article. Um, but We'll link it in the description below. Yeah, we'll link it there and you can go read it. But, uh, guys... Go back to February and talk about how that ideal has unfolded in Canada and maybe the Public Order Commission, how that's affected your view of it. But, um, Andrew, I'll, I'll start with you because you did write a great article. You did some great research. Um, the convoy, it lasted three weeks. The military police came in and pushed it all out uh, with more violence than was ever demonstrated during the convoy. How has this ideal sort of carried on in Canada we know they're talking about a convoy 2.0. Uh, what are your thoughts, Andrew, just in in review on the trucker convoy? Well, I want to make a quick comment and say that in thinking about 2022, I think we have to say that 2022 hold 2022 told 2021 to hold its beer, and uh, and basically, I think the the question coming out of 2021 was it can't it can't get worse than this. And then in in the in the words of in the words of Doug Wilson is uh, uh, just just you wait, um, and so that was 2022. I think in many respects, as we couldn't even imagine that it would be what it was. Um, so by way of setting it up, but thinking about the thinking about the convoy, I think that all throughout that time, with what we were seeing, not just on the ground, but what we were seeing coming from health officials, the legacy media, the the government. When I when I think about the whole convoy time, really what comes to the top of my mind is that depending on who you ask, we live in two different Canadas. That there, there are, we live, there are two different, re I think that for me, that's the lesson of the convoy is that we live in two different realities or people live in one of, uh, one of two different realities and they are so, there's no, there's no overlap. They are so drastically different. They are they are diametrically opposed at every point. There is no continuity. There is nothing that binds them. They are distinctly 
schismatic in 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 their their. Oh, Andrew, can I just um, can I just because, jump in here because I want to illustrate what you just said. Yeah. You wrote that article, which was a report on the actual details and facts of the Public Order Emergency Commission. You brought up direct mm. quotes from questions that was that were asked of security, top security officials, um, intelligence agencies, and policing um, uh, networks that were all asked about violence, public security, um, and threats to public health and safety, and all testified that there was no public threat to health and safety. There was no reported violence. Um, and there was actually no reason to ever believe that it was required, that it was any kind of emergency. And we received a letter to the editor from somebody who said, well, the presence of violence was debatable and it should be discussed. And I thought that's interesting because this is literally the report on the fact that under oath, all of these intelligence agencies, policing agencies, uh, national security intelligence agencies, they all said there's no evidence of violence. And you reported on that. And somebody wrote in to say, but what about all the violence that you're not reporting on? Yeah, what about, I, the, ra- what about the radical hmm. nature of the yeah. – so, so the wording that I received was um, we need someone – we hope that you will have someone who will write an article that highlights the radical nature of the occupation of our city was how this person worded it. So that's right. a different – this person doesn't live in the same reality. So what exactly? I, what testimony I, are they drawing from? different realities. Get, I think that this lends itself to the observation I want to make on the convoy, and that is um, – I, we've learned this over the last three years, but particularly in 2022, is that there there's no there's no news that is shared without a motive behind it. And I think gone are the days, and and, the, and that's where the, it goes. This reality that Andrew is 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 showing here and 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 talking about is that for those people who are cross-examining like like you said in your monologue who are looking for more of an insightful wisdom gone are the days where you go oh i wonder why that article's in there like i never i always look okay who wrote it why did they write it and who are they connected to who who leaked them that information so that they could take the perspective they did and uh, I've, I've said this on my show. I've said this a number of times. It, that's not escapable. Like we're, we don't escape that paradigm. We are a, a Christian worldview analysis group. Our, our, our ideas here, our, 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 our goals are to promote a Christian understanding of things, which involves honesty and truth, but there's a motive behind that. And we're honest about that. There's, that's what I've learned. So you just the, the convoy, you just go away, and, and there, was no, there was no actor, there was no news story that went out that someone didn't specifically make sure that the, that the Canadian public heard about it in their perspective. Yeah, right? and, and that's what we've talked about, I think, a few different times on this show, Tim, and, and our show as well. And um, it's just the 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 inherent antithetical nature of of thinking and the fact that there is no neutrality right neutrality is a myth journalistic neutrality is a myth that people tend to hold on to um and 
what Andrew's saying has been latent the whole time, right? That there's essentially two different Canadas and two different perspectives. But what the convoy did is it was this exogenous organic movement that really shook shook our nation and the foundations thereof that made patent what was latent, what was hidden the whole time. And that is the fact that there is these two different versions of Canada um, based off of two religious foundations. And as a news organization, we're not not biased, right? And we don't claim to be. What we claim to be is honest. So we want to be honest in our reporting. We we provide detailed um, notes in every one of our shows so you can go back and you can look at different stories. You can hear different perspectives. Um, we are honest in where we're coming from. And that is what we try and do more than anything. We have a worldview, a lens in which we look at everything through, and we honestly come to it through that perspective. So I know a lot of people have the tendency to long for a day um, prior to COVID uh, where we could go back to this general consensus or um, unity that we supposedly had. But I don't long for that day because I think it's important that what it was already latent in our society has now become patent in and it's just revealed in events like um, the Freedom Convoy. And uh, I, for me, it was a, a whirlwind of a time because I just came on with with um, you and Mike and was just starting to do work. Uh, we we did uh, Biblical Sexuality Sunday uh, we had our interview with MacArthur. We were doing all those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden, we hear rumblings of this movement that just took over our uh, basically an entire month of our time. And mm-hmm. it was a, just a whirlwind event. And maybe you guys um, could speak from like, what was it like on the grounds, right? Because I'm, I'm helping facilitate and post all this content, but I'm all the way in Winnipeg, right? I wasn't on the ground like you guys were. So maybe you could tell of what I it was like to be that. on the ground. I want to reformulate that a little bit, okay. Matt, um, yeah. because uh, I want to go back to Andrew's comment that it was our Woodstock. And I just think that's, <laughs> the, that's the greatest uh, analogy, I think. Now, there's talk of uh, doing Convoy 2.0. Yeah, that'll be like Woodstock Bingo. 1999. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, That's, that's exactly what I was going like, to say, right? Don't do it is what you're saying. They burned down. The whole no, place burned like, down. I mean, you can you can do it, right? But it's, just, it's not going to yeah. be the same because because what happened in January was was men and women whose livelihoods was really dangling um, yeah. because they wouldn't inject themselves with something that we've come to know is utter heart-destroying, ovary-bashing poison. And as a result, they said, we're going to go all the way across this country and we're going to organically raise There was a cultural desperation from there. Canadians. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was um, like being there on the ground, people's mm-hmm. faces. You could see that they were th- their eyes were, first of all, holding back a deluge mm-hmm. of tears. But what their eyes were saying was, if this doesn't work, I have nothing. All my hope is in this. If this doesn't go the way I want, it's, all hope is lost. It, it's going to be impossible, I think, to ever recreate something like this and i think that it is a it is a once in a a lifetime experience especially for people who were there and i don't think we'll ever be able to forget not just the event 
but forget the very deep and powerful emotions we felt during the time and, we were there. Yeah. And my word, um, especially if you were there that last day when it all when it all ended on that Saturday. I mean, that was a that was a particularly difficult emotional day. That just even thinking about it, it's getting me a little a little worked up. It was a very very it was a, it just a day I never thought I would experience. Um, seeing the things that that happen yeah. is very powerful. And to those and to those who want to see the freedom movement go carry on and want to see another convoy, you got to recognize the convoy served its purpose, and we're not going to move forward in society by parking a, a bunch more trucks downtown. Um, it didn't work the first time in terms of what we imagined. Uh, we need to move forward. We need to take the energy from that. We need to take the uh, the desperate pushback that was there and move it into effective realms. So, uh, guys, appreciate your take on that. Uh, something else I want to cover from 2022 was it really seemed to be the year of the uh, transgender explosion. I, I don't know why. Um, the White House invited a cross-dresser um, to come and discuss the uh, transgender rights. Um, so-called Leah Thomas, who I think is, his real name is Will Thomas, the Penn State swimmer who moved from like 400th ranked in the men's category to dominating women's um, pr pr uh, competitive swimming and and then finishing the year with a drag queen in the White House to celebrate the destruction of marriage act uh, guys how do you what do you make of the, the transgender explosion um, in 2022? What's that tied to? Where's that coming from? And and do you think that we are, as a society, going to wise up to that before we literally castrate an entire generation? Uh, the transgender movement is simply the next step in total sexual deviation, and uh, I think we see. I think we see everything now. I think we. I think we're returning to literally a Roman culture where we're seeing. Uh, we're, we're seeing homosexuality, we're seeing transgenderism, cross-dressing, we're seeing uh, polyamory, we're seeing uh, all of these, all of these different expressions, you know, we're seeing pedophilia rise. We're, we're, we're we, as a society, we are now just seeing the, the logical outcome of, um, you are only happy when you are sexually happy. Therefore, pursue all forms of sexual happiness coming to us from our modern psychologists. And at the same time, a denial of the reality of being responsible before God and the creational norms of maleness and femaleness. So um, Basically, for those of us who have been saying for 15 years, we have to be bolder about proclaiming and defending marriage and people going, ah, come on. We are now just seeing the chickens come home to roost on that issue. Yeah, and I'm remi like reminded of Romans 1, 18 through 32. And if Paul can point to um, homosexual relationships, um, same-sex relationships as evidence of the disordered and perverted nature or like um root of this unbelieving unrighteous worldview how much more are we <laughs> do we evince disordered relationships if we deny the existence of male and female as categories altogether right 
this is the most radical form of man throwing off the shackles of God's created norms, like Mike says, because this is denying something that's so basic and so easily discernible. Um, Which just... is why these radical surgeries have to take place in order oh, to yeah. in order to uh, to justify or to sort of in the de- most desperate sense, try to uphold the lie that it is a fluid or binary reality. Well, it, it, it can't be if it's requiring removal of body parts and change in chemical balances, right? So the intervention yes. shows how disconnected from nature it is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And what that is just doing is, you know, man can't strike out at God directly, right? Our hatred of God has gotten to this point, but we can't strike out against God directly. So what we do is we strike out against those who bear his image. So we do that in abortion, euthanasia. Now we're doing it in literally trying to deny the basic creational reality that we are biologically dimorphic, that God's created human beings as sex creatures, male and female. And and that is this the the root of original sin coming out in us and we are far down that path of our denial and suppression of that truth that's the same response to that i I just i want to connect the scripture that matthew read and then with the thought that matthew was just having Mm -hmm. uh matthew i really appreciated how you said you know they can't lash out against god directly so they can lash out one of the ways to lash out against god in a way that doesn't create attention to yourself is to, to defend others. And so when that scripture, Romans 1, it says not only do they continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. It's really easy to deflect from your own sin and by promoting someone else's sin. It's like it's like a, a win-win. They get to do what they want, so they're really happy with you, and you get to just promote lunacy and then nobody looks at you who may not be as far down the road in that depravity it's actually quite a selfish strategy but right there we see all the way back in romans that that's a part of it they lash out at god by by promoting other people's uh perversions andrew just before you uh share what you i want to share just a brief passage from roger scruton i just bought this book Confessions of a Heretic. It's a collection of essays from Roger Scruton. And he has this section on faking, people being fakers. And mm-hmm. and it just dawned on me this morning. And I don't believe he was a Christian, uh, but he's got some interesting insights here. And I just want to read this and then to hopefully tee up Andrew here. Uh, he says, there are two kinds of untruth, lying and faking. Anyone can lie. It suffices to say something with the intention to, to deceive. Faking, however, is an achievement. To fake things, you have to take people in, yourself included. A liar can pretend to be shocked when his lies are exposed, but his pretense is part of the lie. The fake really is shocked when he is exposed, since he has created around himself a community of trust of which he himself is a member. And I think this is a really profound insight when it comes to somebody like Will Thomas, who is pretending to be a woman in the pool, and when they're called out for being a man, it's like, how could you not respect my identity? They pretend to be shocked because they have brought themselves into this community of trust as well as deceiving everybody around them. And of course, we know the emperor has no, the emperor's new clothes. Great analogy for where we're at. But I just thought Scruton nails it with this idea that 
the fake is like shocked when they are exposed. And I think that maybe that's something we need to do more of. Andrew. And there's, there's a level here? of self-deception in there. hundred percent. That that's it. That right. Is, they bring that, themselves into the lie yeah. as well. Andrew, what yeah. are you, what are your thoughts? When I think about the kind of the transgender mania, there's really two thoughts. One is looking at it high level, wide angle view. And then the other one is more down on the ground, kind of tight angle. And the first kind of that high level view is this, that culturally, when you have societies that will go full on with androgyny and the blurring of the gender lines, that usually signals the twilight of that culture. Because once your culture is so decadent and so prosperous and so peaceful, that men and women don't have to be men and women anymore, right? The walls don't have to be guarded because you're safe. So men don't have to be men. And we've figured out ways that women also don't have to be women. And so this androgyny usually uh, is followed by the decline and the end of a culture. We saw this with Rome. We saw this with Greece. And so what the reason why we're seeing this is because Western civilization is in a twilight and is basically on the way down that we, we have reached the decadent phase and we are seeing the end of Western civilization. So that's high level. Now on a on a kind of tighter angle view. I want you to know um, that I'm totally terrified that we're talking about this subject lever and you're talking about camera angles. I don't as long as we're not focusing on some dude's junk. <laughs> sure. We're, we're not going to go that why tight. You went there. I don't think like, his tight angle is quite No one like no one was no one was thinking about <laughs> that. <laughs> thinking about that. And no, no one's thinking about that. You're like, no. "Hey, let's get this camera shot." No. Go D-Bart. No, nobody. Tight angle. Just you. So yeah, so I wasn't thinking that. I, anyway, so um, on, a, on a more individual personal basis I, or level, I think that what this exposes is, uh, like I had said, that there are, there are two different realities. And so one reality looks at the world as it is. And when you look at the world as it is, you understand that there are men and there are women. And there's no crisscrossing that, that chasm. One can't become the other. And just because you feel a certain way, that doesn't dictate who you are. So that's reality as we know it. But there's another reality, which is the same kind of reality that looks at the convoys and occupation and a siege. That same reality that a person finds himself in says something like this. I am whatever I feel. That my experience and my emotions dictate reality, right? This is the, this is the fruit of postmodernism now in, in, in full bloom, rotten and wretched. And so this reality where we are is people have been growing in the soil that says – your personal experience and your self-determination is what defines truth and reality. And that, that's been growing for, for generations now. And so because of that, that's why we are where we are, that people will look and say how I feel and what I'm told, right? I mean, th again, think about the Public Order Emergency Commission. They felt that it was violence. This is what the former ch police chief of Ottawa said. No, no, no. You, do you mean violence? Like he was asked, do you mean violence according to the definition of violence? And his answer was no, violence as in how people felt. And so this idea, this self, this self perception as defining what reality is, this, this is the other reality. This is the other Canada, right? This is the bizarro Canada where they both exist at the same time. So it's kind of, you know, if I could bring in a cultural reference, it's like Stranger Things in that. We exist in the real world, in the real Hawkins, but then underneath us is this, this other world, this alternate world, this bizarro world, and much of Canada lives in that world where it's this weird mutated version of Canada, but it's not true, and it's, it's actually pretty evil and, 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 and pretty And so uh, just to 
just to wrap this up, and that what you just said ties back to our opening passage, our monologue, which is that you got to look at this chasm and say, is it a time to bind together or is it a time to tear asunder? Like, is there a chasm between these two cultural expressions? Uh, question for our listeners to ponder and us to uh, continue to analyze. But guys, I, I'm just going to comment briefly on this next one. And then we're going to jump ahead to a more recent event that's happening at, toward the end of the year. But I do want to get, we, we can't go through a year-end review show without commenting on the, uh, the Supreme Court decision in the United States to overturn Roe versus Wade in a formal matter. Uh, and, I, and I just want to comment on this myself because I think it ties to what Andrew was saying in that we are what we feel. Um, and probably one of the greatest things that that Supreme Court decision facilitated for us was it drew out the most extreme ideological proponents of so-called abortion, which is murdering a baby in the womb, to basically admit that, yeah, we know it's killing a baby, but it's necessary. It's necessary for my identity, who I am, or what my goals are to pursue. I'm not going to be able to finish my career or start schooling or whatever it is if I have to now take care of a baby. And of course, the answer was never marriage or sexual purity. The answer was always, I get to do what I want. My autonomy is protected by this so-called right to murder somebody, uh, which if you hold that consistently across the board, um, you get into a quite a violent culture. Um, and so we, we have obviously affirmed the overthrow of this violent court decision, which allowed women to go to a doctor to kill their baby. Um, but what's happening and what Canadians don't like about it is that it has exposed a fight. It has exposed a conflict. And now legal battles are happening all over the United States with these trigger laws and people are challenging them and governors are trying to veto decisions. And so it's created a, a civic battle. Now, Canadians, if we know anything about them, don't like fights. We like to be private. We like to keep our things tucked away in the silverware drawer. Uh, we don't like to air these things. And so I think that's one thing Canadians need to recognize. If you are going to maintain anything good about your culture, it is going to take somebody who's willing to stare into the face of the wind and fire a couple loogies and not worry if they come back and hit you. Now, I know that's a gross analogy, but really we're talking about people who are willing to lead the charge, who are willing to step into the to the crossfire and say, come what may, whatever the consequences, we're going to do what's right. And those are things, Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to cast stones and a time to gather them up. The Supreme Court picked up a handful of stones and said, we're chucking these hard and on target at one of the great enemies of humanity, which is this disgusting legal decision. We know David, when he went down to the valley, picked up five stones to deal with Goliath. Now, why did he pick up five? Not because he thought he was going to miss, but because Goliath had four brothers. And he thought, I'm going to kill this one giant, and if the next four come, they're getting the same treatment. That is an attitude towards the enemies of God to say, now, we don't go violently after people, but we go, we go to tear down ideas that are brought up against God and against his knowledge and against those made in his image. So, yes, there's a cultural fight. We've said that before on this show. But I did want to, unless you have a pressing issue, guys, I'd like to move to the Twitter files. Mike's done a lot of work on this. Um, so can we move on to that after the show? Or, yeah, Mike, go ahead. Well, if I can move from Roe v. Wade and segue into the Twitter files pretty easily, but it, I'm happy for the other guys to jump in. I, I want to just pause on Roe v. Wade if you'd let me, Tim. I will. Um, Partly because I just want to bring up a point that the 
the Supreme Court upheld the U.S. Constitution. They read the historical document the way that the historical document was written. And I'm very thankful that the United States and the authors of the U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence were either utilizing or were strongly borrowing from a Christian worldview. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the left is looking at the Constitution, Tim, and they are they are ignoring it and 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 tearing down. It's actually the Supreme Court that sought to, in this situation, uphold the Constitution. I just want to make that distinction. We are both operating from dis- different ideal um, ideologies, but the 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 Supreme Court justices are operating from a constitutional ideology, not just a promote my ideology and ignore what the constitution said. I just think that's a very important distinction in the conversation. Yeah, And just real quick, before you get into Twitter flyers, all this has done is just move the question and the debate and the, the conflict, the cultural conflict back to the States. Right. So in, in the Supreme court whole upholding the constitution and, Get and jettisoning this unconstitutional decision in Roe v. Wade, they've created battlefronts on 50 different grounds rather than just the one ground which it's been fought over for 50 years in the Supreme Court itself. So, um, which leads to Tim's point that yeah. there are now many warriors needed, yes, in yes. order to now that the battlegrounds have moved. Mm-hmm. There need to be many warriors who are ready to stand up and say, okay, well, we're in battle, so let's look like it and not be deceived that we're not in battle. Yes. I just wanted to yeah. make that distinction no. that the right is not acting like the left and just going with their ideology and utterly just you know, overturning. They, they're trying to remain historically constitutional. So, right. so there's but, a restorative aspect point, to it. Well yeah. Taken. Yeah. <laughs> I like the combination of that dialogue. That was, that was helpful. So then on to the Twitter files. Um, basically Elon Musk, uh, bought Twitter. Uh, he said, let that sink. He, he said, let that, (laughs) he said, let that sink in. And, uh, with that, with that brilliant tweet, uh, invited everybody to, uh, to, to see that he was, uh, at the reins And, and basically the Twitter files are him revealing all of the government collusion and the uh, suppression of Im- information that the staff uh, were participating in uh, at Twitter. And so for those of us, and uh, I'm sure all of you want to comment on this, for those of us who have felt shadow banned, like, for example, Liberty Coalition Canada got to like 16,000 followers almost instantly. And then from that point forward, we moved very, very slowly up. Um uh, for for people who felt shadow banned, for people who we experienced on YouTube, uh, literally being canceled. I think Matthew has tried like seven different times to figure out how to get us back on YouTube, and we got canceled. I did the cross politics show for the cross politic guys. They aired my show on their YouTube channel. It instantly got it, it instantly got taken down. Like so, um, the 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 conversation about censorship, and then with all of this government intervention was saying, you know, suppressing this story or promoting that story. Um, 
it, it it's really revealing how corrupt social media has been to promote the left exclusively without being honest about it. Again, if they were saying, Hey, on Twitter, we don't let conservatives speak. This is a, this is a liberal left, um, democratic platform. We don't want anybody to, to speak against, uh, the, the state then, okay, great. Then we would as customers understand the terms and we'd move on to another platform. But the idea is it's all neutral. And this is, this is shadow banning. This is shadow canceling. This is like, hey, uh, who who knows of anybody who's been vaccine injured? And you're like, well, we've just shown you a hundred tweets about that recently. Oh, I didn't see any of that. Right, it, it's okay. that type of. So, Mike, I just want to add. I just want to add a tiny bit of nuance to that because you say they're banning, they're shadow banning conservatives. Uh, not just conservatives. We're talking about suppressing a whole body of information. When you look at <laughs> people like Naomi Wolf, Robert Malone. Um, I don't know Peter McCullough's political alignment, but you're talking about a lot of people who are not necessarily conservative at all. In fact, mm-hmm. some of them have been known to be leftists, but who yeah. decided to speak out against this, the vaccine narrative, and they mm-hmm. got the social sure. media chop, right? So yeah. <clears throat> what's more dangerous is not out- just that, just hang on, it, it just, it's not that it's just a conservative ideology being suppressed, it's that there are certain areas of information that are just off limits, mm-hmm. which is, which is very dangerous uh matt go ahead well i was just gonna say it should also be pointed out the people who are breaking these stories and matt taibbi barry weiss and michael schellenberger none of them are conservatives right. they're all they would consider themselves small c liberals uh, in the classical sense um but they're 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 on the left end of the political spectrum but all of them have run into the you know the buzzsaw of intolerance coming from the left and they've seen this culture of groupthink and ideological activism in big tech in big news outlets in the government and they're speaking out against it so it's interesting to point that out tim because a lot of these people, though they're held up as they're some sort of like conservative journalists or uh, Elon Musk is a far right conspiracy theorist. All, all these all these people like until recently, Musk's a voting record was entirely like Democratic. Right. All these people are just pointing out the elephant that was in the room. Right. We all knew that this suppression of content was was taking place. But. Now Musk is just ripping off the veil. He's letting us peel or peel back the curtain and, and take a peek inside. And what's there is even more disturbing than you could have possibly thought <laughs> in your worst uh, worst moments. And more pervasive, Matt. I, yes. I, Andrew, I want to let you jump in here. But one thing that Musk is doing is saying, this is what was happening in Twitter. And then everybody else is left to deduce. Well, I wonder what's been happening on all of the other platforms. So he really, I wonder if he's getting invited to many, uh, many, big uh, tech social dinners, many, many parties in, with the social elites. Yeah. I don't think Google is about to, I don't think Google has appointed a, um, a shadow banning transparency committee. At this point, nope. for for YouTube, and you know, like, <laughs> well, not not one that would tell the truth. Yeah, right. So, what's interesting? Yeah. Okay, Andrew, you go ahead. We've we've all chimed in. 
So I, I guess I'll frame this with a, a conversation I had with my mom not that long ago. She shared a video um, of Bill Maher basically speaking yeah. out against some of the transmania. And she said, you know, I don't agree with a lot of what Bill Maher says, but, you know, him calling this out is really good. And, uh, you know, I said to my mom on the phone, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Bill Maher is an evil, inconsistent hypocrite with uh, no worldview foundation. And he actually despises me because I would affirm Christ. And my mom's like, well, all I'm saying is he did a good job at highlighting this. And I said, right. And the only we, the only way that he can do that is he has to affirm aspects of a worldview that he utterly denies and despises. So he he looks upon with scorn anyone who would say that truth exists because God exists and he defines truth and humanity exists the way it does because God says so and there's certain things we can't do namely castrate boys. So he would he would he would despise anyone that holds that worldview and yet now he's trying to defend parts of it because he sees the absurdity. So I I I share that story to frame it because while I am glad that the Lord is quite literally using a bunch of asses to expose the madness. Just to be fair, that includes us. No, he's speaking he's speaking that well no I'm not I'm not self identifying here. So while while the Lord is using these 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 wretches in Elon Musk, these these literal God haters um, who would wear a Baphomet costume for Halloween Christians who want to hail Musk as mm-hmm. the, the the hero freedom. Yeah, I like that word right? of caution. As much as I'm brother. thankful, yeah, I'm like I'm even though even though we are thankful that these people are being used to expose this evil big tech censorship, government FBI true collusion. I'm thankful for that. At the end of the day, whether it's politically or because of what we believe about God and reality, these people are not our allies. They're still our enemies. And all it would take would be the right thing pressed in the right direction, and they would have no problem throwing Christians up to be next, to be devoured. It just so happens that we have the same, we have the same kind of alt, we have the same enemy in front of us right now. Um, but they are, w- when I look at Elon Musk, what I see is a flaming hypocrite. He's a flaming hypocrite. Because he has no reason to say that exposing lies and truth is important um, because his world – all these – he's just been pushed out out of the radical arm. But no, no, no. He's, he, he has no foundation for that, and we, got, we just have to be careful. I'm not saying we're doing that. Not at all. I know, I know we're approaching this with an objectivity and, and a sober-mindedness. But more broadly, we have, and we've seen this in the freedom movement in Canada. We just have to be careful – that as much as we're thankful for what they're doing, um, they're actually still foundationless hypocrites and God haters that would hand us over in a heartbeat if they needed to. I want to jump off that and give a little bit of maybe self-reflection into the conservative movement and I would say the Christian movement. And what I would say about that is, okay, so you've raised the question, why do Christians and conservatives get so excited when somebody like Bill Maher or Elon Musk suddenly says something that we can get behind. Why do we get so excited about that? Why is that so energizing to us? And I think one of the reasons is because we don't have on the right or in the conservative worldview, people with that much spine who are willing to challenge the status quo, who are willing to go after the idols of the culture, who are willing to take a shot at the taboo. We just don't have as many courageous people. 
So the left, who is used to being maybe more caution to the wind and 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 going after things with with gusto, when they suddenly pick up on a piece of our worldview and share it, we're like, oh, phew, somebody's just saying something. Instead of saying, why aren't pastors known for constantly going after the Asherah or the idols of the culture, especially the ones that are most destructive to the most vulnerable being children and youth, because we're not producing those and we don't reward that. We don't reward people who step out and speak courageously. We, we, we usually attack them. We usually find a reason to put them away because they make us uncomfortable, because they expose the idolatry in our own little comfortable circles. And so when somebody comes out who, who has an imperfect record or whether it's John MacArthur when he came out and a rare example of a pastor who challenged the status quo, uh, we want to go find out how much his watch, his watch cost. Because we don't like that he's making us uncomfortable. So if we can say, here's a reason to discredit him, and we don't reward that. So this is why Christians who sit back behind enemy, in front of enemy lines, you know, carefully and quietly back at, in the tents, which is what Israel was doing while Goliath paraded around, mocking God and his ways and his people. And they all stood back and said, who's going to do this? Right? We sit back quietly and we admire somebody with courage instead of rewarding and encouraging that response. And I think that's one of the things that the conservative movement has to be more prepared to do is get down there and outshine Bill Maher. Don't let Bill Maher be the voice, the mouthpiece of the conservative movement. And yet he so easily is. It speaks more broadly, Tim, about our cultural disengagement, right? Like part of the reason why we glom on to Musk and Maher and and Jordan Peterson when they're speaking Mm -hmm. um, truth is because truth is so so novel in our public conversation because those who have the truth don't wield it publicly. We, We bury our light under a bushel and that's the sad part of the situation we're in. We glom on to these um, these you know, hypocrites, these guys who are inconsistent in their basic world and life view presuppositions, as Andrew is talking about, because it's novel to see anybody even touch on a little bit of truth in our public sphere. And that that is that is not their fault. That's our fault um, as as those who believe in the truth incarnate um, for not speaking that truth as you were saying tim more boldly and forcefully and continually into our culture and and that that's the beauty of the the files is they are as i was saying they're letting us see behind the curtain and they're exposing the fact that yes twitter you know had all these algorithms and these people put in place to ban and to shadow ban and, uh, you know, suppress content that was coming from viewpoints that they didn't like, um, that they were, you know, suppressing COVID information from doctors uh, like Peter McCullough, Robert Malone, Jay Bot, Yeah. Jay Bhattacharya, all these things. They were suppressing all this content. Um, They were finding, you know, really arbitrary ways of justifying their banning of Donald Trump and kind of all the machinations that went into it. But then it's also highlighting this fascistic operation that was being run when we see how involved the FBI was in 
helping them suppress and control this information. And then also now, you know, the latest part of this series is coming out that, you know, they even worked with the Pentagon to do covert online PSYOP campaigns. So the, 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 and so this touches on, like this goes way further than I think even us in our most conspiratorial moments would have been able to conjure up, right? Yeah. And so here's and here's where the, this is sort of the discouraging part because I we reported on this last September where it was on the front page of the National Post that the Canadian government had worked with the uh, Canadian military to run public psyops and uh, misinformation propaganda campaigns, and nobody cared. Right, so that's the other part of it too. Is that uh, we talk about you talk about fascism, you talk about censorship and shadow banning and suppressing information, and when it comes out, how many of us are just kind of like, I don't care. My Netflix wasn't interrupted. You know, I was. <laughs> yeah. You know, my my car heat seat heated seats still worked. The grocery right. So who still has yeah, Netflix? Gonna, yeah, whatever. What professing Christian sure. still, still yeah. pays but for But this Netflix. is my that's my point, right? Is that like it almost doesn't bother us enough. Uh, so, guys, yeah. we're going to wrap the Twitter files. Uh, Mike, I know you want to talk about Teresa Tam. We're going to try to cover right up till year end here. Uh, you love Teresa Tam's little propaganda video that was released uh, earlier this week where she basically dressed up as an elf, I think, and talked about how kids get on the nice list if they get vaccinated. Is that creepy <laughs> at all to you? Is that a little weird? By the way, so to set this up, this is not the first. So this year alone, just so we're clear, right, this year alone, Teresa Tam did the voiceover for the video from the government of Canada that said the best way to have protection against COVID is to make sure vaccines are up to date. And there was like a nice music and people playing. And so there was this other thing where she says, my story about COVID is I, I want to see my parents. I don't want them to die. So I get the vaccine that doesn't actually stop the transmission. So she has, she's a veteran. 2022 has been her, her breakout year for propaganda videos, and that's what um, they are being being thrust that's upon. That's what they Canadians. are. Like we're so not speaking this, hyper. This, this is just this is just a star on yeah. the top of the tree. Yeah. If we could use something that's we're not speaking hyperbolically. They like this is straight up state funded propaganda that we're Absolutely. seeing. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> Mike, are your kids? Uh, well, I won't ask about your kids, but what what do you, Mike? You just did a, a an interview with uh, Deanna. I forget her last name. McLeod. Um, McLeod. Deanna McLeod. Okay, so this idea of government promoting medical, like if you could just walk us through this Teresa Tam video in light of your interview with Deanna McLeod, I think that would be helpful for our listeners. It, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it to you again. I'm sorry, but I do want to go back to the Twitter files briefly before we move into this section uh, because I appreciated what Andrew and Matthew were saying, what, what all of you were saying there. Um, the reasons why we celebrate when pagans stumble on to truth is that it it gets a it gets a reaction and we 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 actually feel like we're on the winning side for a minute and the problem is is that we have forgotten that we are already on the winning side the issue is clinging to Christ the victor not Christ just the lamb of god but Christ, the Lamb of God, who is also the Lion from the tribe of Judah. Um, so I, I just wholeheartedly want to say this. We are on this podcast have been hard on pastors. 
and we've been hard on Christians. I want to go beyond pastors, you know, Christians, because there is an utter failing to have public discourse. And there's an utter failing to have public discourse as if Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you can't look at a time in history when Christendom has not affected the entire world, when people were not talking boldly and clearly about humanity's responsibility to respond to God, his authority and his truth. And so um, I just want to say it is a pleasure doing this with you gentlemen, because I am proud of each one of you and I'm even emotional as I've been thinking about the last three years of us developing these different shows. And I pray that we will be able to continue to be public because it's the only way forward. There is no time for sitting back and doing nothing right now. So the Twitter file whole fiasco is, as we've said it, somebody who has the resources to expose a lie. And we're thankful for that. And now we have to continue to encourage other people to continue to expose lies. And the only way we can do that is to continue to call them to the, to having some level of accountability before the Lord. That's right. So, if we, if we leave it to billionaires to do all the cultural heavy lifting for us, uh, there's not enough of them to do that. It's always right? short lived. Yeah. It's yeah. always short lived, but you it's can, but you can leave, the, only... you can leave the culture building to stay at home moms, to local, uh, local colleges, to, um, small churches. You can leave all that culture building as long as people are active and public about it. You don't, it doesn't need to be one centralized thing. It's a movement, but it requires you each local church to publicly confront the sin in their community and stop pretending that this is not an issue. The reason why we're so concerned for pastors is because they are effectively living like secularists and we want them to repent and change. You know, I wholeheartedly say we're all a bunch of asses. We're just asses who are saved and Elon Musk needs to get saved. So, so Mike, I just want to say quickly, it's worse than it's, it's worse than it's just that it's short lived. So it's not just that it's a short lived victory. The problem is that if someone like Elon Musk exposes the evil and then we look to him and say, wow, he's doing the world, he's doing the work of exposing truth and culture building. The problem is where he's going to set that stone or how he's going to build what we think is a good culture is going to just recycle this problem again in a generation because all of the culture building that's being done by, I mean, we'll call them out right now, these fake conservatives that we think have been, you know, just get us voted in. We'll infiltrate from the inside. All they've been doing is they've been building a conservatism in Canada. That is why we are where we are. And so it's not just about a short lived victory. It's, we cannot give the tools and the materials to build a culture and put them in the hands of pagans. All they're going to build is something that will destroy our culture at some point. And because pagans have never done a good job at building cultures that lead to freedom and prosperity. So we, it's, we have to no, not, we will build it. We will be the ones who let, and that's what Christians have done for 2000 years. They build culture. Give them more credit where credit is due. But when we live with, like you're saying, absolutely. Andrew, we're living with this, like it almost idolatry of celebrity 
then we 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 allow that. It's like Jordan Peterson. You know, I hate to do it because so many of our listeners probably love Jordan Peterson. We just lost half of our podcast listeners. But Jordan Peterson rarely says anything of use that he's not robbing from Christianity, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I've always appreciated his courage, but I just wish that he would bow the knee to Christ and then he would become a very consistent thinker. But right mm-hmm. now, he continues to be in this inconsistency because he robs from Jesus and then does not proclaim him as Lord. So, yeah, this is yeah great and conversation. We, and we can't we can't put the future of Western civilization in the hands of people who don't have a consistent and well thought out world and life view. And that's I think what you guys are trying to say. Our hope has to be in Christ first and foremost, and then we have to anal- analyze the our thought and every aspect of our lives based off the standard of God's word and, and not just cling to these celebrities in these moments who capture our attention. We need to be rooted and grounded in stuff far deeper. And to tie us back into the theme of the podcast that you set up in your monologue intro there, Tim, now's the time where we have to build and fight. That's the time that we're called to. And I know a lot of people are tired over the last 33 months, like you said, Tim, but it's like, this is the beginning, guys. We've been asleep for a long time. So it's not time to get tired. It's time to build and fight and move forward and press forward. Um, We got a lot of work to do and a long way to go. Matthew, I'm dying to segue off of what you just said, because that leads us back to the Teresa Tam video. If you allow the celebrity expert elite ideas that have no substance to rule the day, what you are left with is one of the most strange SNL videos ever created by people who are not employees of Saturday Night Live. And I, I want to I try to be generous at the beginning here, Tim, because I know you're cringing. You're thinking I'm being too hard on Tam. But I, I want to be generous at the beginning. I look at this video and I look at this woman and I say, I think she genuinely might have a heart to communicate to kids. Like I, I see in this broadcast a little bit of a desire of like a, a young CBC host of a kid's show who like legitimately wants to communicate to kids. So there, there's the positive. <laughs> the rest of it is insane. And, and, and so I want, you guys can get into all the creativity insanity. I'll, I'll talk to what Tim wanted me to talk to about what Deanna McLeod and I were talking about in my podcast. Um, big pharma is not supposed to talk directly to the consumer. The way that our medical industry has been set up ethically is that big pharma is supposed to talk to doctors and health Canada, and they're supposed to promote their drugs to doctors who then are educated and, um, practitioners who then, based on a personal consultant, a fiduciary relationship, and uh, 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 full informed consent, at their discretion then, would freely promote a drug or discredit a drug on their patient's behalf. And what has happened when Teresa Tam makes this video, it is 
the drug companies speaking directly through public health, which is supposed to be there to protect us from overmarketing, but rather twisting it and big pharma speaking directly to Canadians. And it's just egregious. The film itself was just egregious, but when I was growing up, when I was growing up, I when I would watch Saturday morning cartoons, I was told that, companies, even cereal companies, are not allowed to market directly to children. That's actually an ethical prohibition in Canada. And so I grew up with that knowledge that advertising must be directed at parents who are responsible for you know, making financial purchases and so forth. And yet here we are in late 2022 where you have Health Canada, a public office, marketing a mRNA DNA injection directly to children on the promise of being on Santa's nice list. That is the creepiest. I mean, Canadians, uh, sure. I mean, most of our audience already gets this, um, but it shows how the depth, how far we've slidden away from our foundations and our ethical commitments and our separations of power. Uh, It's just all kind of collapsed here. In my monologue, I talked about a whirlwind that has escaped containment this is what we're talking about. There, there just seems to be no limits left on violating um, sp- spherical so- sovereignty, things like that we've talked about. So, Buckle up, Tim. If you think that, just we, buckle we, up. We, Our house cynic. That's, yeah. that's, I, I remember Doug. I remember Doug Wilson saying that when someone asked him, this would have been an early kind of, uh, you know, when asked Doug whatever early this year where he had said, you know, he said, I've come to the point where if someone says to me, surely it can't get much yeah. worse than this. Oh, oh you just, just wait. wait. A moment. Well, um, well, it's yeah. his response. Just Andrew, give it six he months. doesn't have to wait. Because as bad as this is, it's not worse than Health Canada funding the publication of a children's activity oh. book to indoctrinate people into yeah. medical assistance and diet. That, Fresh off yeah, the we breath. talked about the madness Tim, of it. Tim, this is yeah. Matthew trying to make this show as up-to-date. <laughs> as and... Dispatch. Well, we already covered it as, as the no, Dispatch. No, but dude, Matt, keep going. What, yeah, because that was terrifying. My, my, <laughs> yeah, my mean... wife and I did not laugh at that one. Like, we no. belly laughed at the Tam one. Mm-hmm. That... Go ahead, Matt. Finish your thought there. Well, I mean, and- it's directly targeted at children's, and it's a- a- aesthetic, right? It's kind of in like a. It says it explicitly. It says this is for yeah. children age six to twelve. Yeah. Now right parents are supposed to facilitate the activities according to the book. Yeah, we but, wouldn't you want know, to violate uh, parental consent here. Y- yeah, but 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 like all just the aesthetics of it, right? It's like there's like scribbling. It's kind of done in like hand drawn like sketches, like a child would draw. It's it's marketed like a toy or a, a coloring book or a, a scribbler to children so that they can be indoctrinated again, government propaganda targeting children for medical ideologues, right? Pushing this world and life view on them. And this is where we're at. And the, the really introducing them to the idea of medicating through death. Yeah. And, and just redefining terms, right? They, they, they re- redefine the term medicine. They 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 re- redefine all these terms um, in order to make that which is dark and disgusting and deadly into that which is good and warm and 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 nice. And 
that's where our government is. Our government is engaging in the worst kinds of propaganda and they're using our taxpayer money, the the money that we give them to engage in this ideological indoctrination of children and direct targeting thereof. You know, so it's not it's not even only you have Marlboro, a private company trying to put a camel on a page so then kids will want to smoke and they'll think it's cool because the camel has sunglasses no this is the federal government doing this sort of things there and and like mike's saying becoming mouthpieces for big pharma and cigarettes are That's a lot insane. less cigarettes are a lot less deadly than doctor assisted suicide yeah. i just like to point a that lot. out slightly <laughs> a lot yeah one would one would say that the numbers. Are I would even think. Yeah, I think the stats are on our side, guys. I want to. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to transition here. Look, okay. Yeah. So we've got we've got creepy government propaganda here. As <laughs> I know what Mike is thinking. Mike is laughing because when because I'm going to go in the mind of Mike. Right. So I'm, we want to <laughs> no, enter into the I'm mic of, the mind every of time Mike. Jim here. wants to transition. It, it, he said transition, and then I got one more and thing then to Mike say. Was like ha, ah, he said trans. Ha ha. Like I'll, I'll give you I'll give you another bat, at bat. Let's go. No, but you like this is the third time, so I was going to be consistent. Uh, all I just want to say is that I would really like, in the same way that Jack Black and Jimmy Fallon redid More Than Words by Extreme, I I don't think of anything that would be a funner Christmas gift would be like Andrew DiBartolo and Matthew Halleck reshooting the Teresa Tam video. I oh, that would be good. I oh, oh my I, word! I feel like that would be one of the most brilliant videos. Who ever would play created. Teresa Tam? Oh, Andrew, uh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and then, yeah. Andrew, so, Andrew could play so, so everybody. Andrew would play everybody. Because Teresa Tam, well, because Teresa Tam's complexion is a little that's bit darker true. than Mrs. That's Claus. True. Yeah, that's... And I, I definitely look like I live so on the, at the North if I can, Pole. If I, <laughs> if I can just drop a little, just a, a little thing to wrap the, the, this up about the video and the targeting of kids. I think that there's something else that we see in this that we've seen in previous propaganda telling kids to get the jab. You know, we're talking about the transgender mania. I, I think that what 2020 has also highlighted that, that that relates to all these things is that the left wants our kids. Um, and the reason why they want our kids and the reason why, why, why they come the way that they do isn't just primarily because they want to indoctrinate the next generation, though it's true. It's because the cult of death is in having their own kids, so they have to come for our kids. That's why. They're murdering babies before they're born. Yeah, they're murdering babies right after they're born. In the same way that we want to build institutions, Andrew, they want them totally demolished. They don't even need to affect their minds if they have so thoroughly devastated their lives. If you're walking yeah. around with open wounds pretending it's a vagina because you've had your penis cut up who, who wants to talk about classical yeah. liberal philosophy yeah. or the <laughs> finer point. points of calvinism yeah yep. like yeah they're, that so lands they're, hard they're, that they're, lands yeah, hard they, mike they murder they 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 murder their babies before they're born. They murder them within a year of being born if they have a disability. They castrate their, their kids and sterilize them, and they, they, they force them into marriages other than God has designed, which equals procreation. So the, and, and they pursue relationships where you can't have – right, because – but not, not just do the exact same things, but they're not having their own kids – 
but they also recognize that if you want ideas to pervade generationally and if you want someone to carry it on, you can't do that if you don't have kids. So what do they do is they go after our kids because they're not having their own kids, which is why we emphasize things like get your kids out of state schools and don't put the poison in them, right? They, they, they are – the cult of death is a destructive cult that wants to redefine reality and Canada and existence, but they don't have their own kids to do it. So they're going to come after our kids so that they can continue to propagate their ideas um, by taking our kids to do it. Tim, you may transition now, and I will not get in the way of your transition. I don't even – Thank you for your patience. I don't even believe you. We'll see how that plays out. But Andrew (laughs) – Guys – Brilliant stuff. And Andrew, you you kind of read my mind in terms of how I wanted to take this episode out because Don't tell him that. Um, I know. He doesn't he doesn't I have like to, to tell affirm me. Andrew. Um, Andrew uh, and I are, are, are friends. Affirm, we are right. we have a friendship. Um, You're using a lot of loaded words. It's true. <laughs> I know. It's true. They belong to me though. I will not let the left define it. So, are you actually you're actually playing a video. You're like a, talking to a teenager who's like pulling his phone out <laughs> while I'm trying no, to lecture. No, I actually him. just, I just, I just, I was just playing a video that was affirming people, and I thought you might enjoy the music. Okay. I also, I also want to recognize that Mike's promise that he made it's three minutes broke. ago about Told not you. interrupting or sidestepping. He, <laughs> okay. he broke within a couple of minutes. He couldn't even wait until the end of the next segment. He had before we exited the segment. So man, formally, I'm, I'm thankful that it's li- Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso and not with Matt Halleck because I would hate to steer this ship. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a steady hand, Matthew. A steady yeah, hand. Yeah, okay, man. Andrew, your point about children. That's what I wanted to say because we're we've gone through here. We okay, our government is engaging in propaganda it's it's trying to lead our children into self-destructive uh lifestyles mike's analogy is heavy duty that hits you like a punch in the gut because is that not true um and so what are we doing one of the things i think that makes conservatives uncomfortable about what we do here is we expose the fact and and i hope we're under this searchlight too but what do we believe because a lot of conservatives are just uncomfortable with the weirdness, but they don't have any deep reservoir to replace it. And so when we talk about things like abortion or education, they say, whoa, that's way too intense and you're pushing your faith on everybody. But what we fail to recognize, and even when we're dealing with our children, is a lot of conservatives are saying, what hope do I have? My kids are on TikTok. They're on, they're on, they're in the public school and I just want them to be normal. And yet our, as parents, are we leading our own children and are we indeed teaching our own children? We've believed this lie that teaching your faith to your children is um, brainwashing them or that it's indoctrinating them. Yes, absolutely it is. That's what they're there for. They belong in your family so that you can indoctrinate them in the truth, in what matters, in what is real, in what is eternal, and what is important. And if you won't do it, somebody else will. And so I want to, but I want to state this in the negative to parents. And then I'm going to give you guys each a chance to give your closing thoughts. I want to state this in the positive for you parents who are listening. Don't give up. Don't look at the world as a collapsing ship that is on fire, that, of which there is no hope. You need to grab hold of what is eternal. You need to grab hold of the truth. If you're not a Christian, 
Take hold of that this year. Come and meet the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Meet him in the scriptures. Take that into your heart. Believe it. And then say to your children, this is now how we are going to live. We are going to walk in this way and begin to shape your children. Begin to shape the future through deep belief. Do not let your kids get away to the secular propaganda that's going on. Take 2023 and say, this is the year that I begin to shape my family. I begin to take hold of my beliefs and make them real and embody them in the family through song, food, teaching, just small discussions around the table, education. Who am I paying to, to educate my kids? Take that into your home. Take that into your influence and take ownership of it because you will make a difference. It is not a lost cause. We do not believe in a, in a perpetually declining world with, with a diminishing hope. We believe in an expanding hope that goes out from the scriptures and out from the church and out from the truth to eventually cover the earth as water, uh, to cover the earth as water covers the ocean, that God's glory will indeed cover the earth and, and his knowledge. And so we want to invite you into that. Not to be passive and hopeless and looking at the headlines and saying it is all doom and gloom, which even these shows can sometimes do. We believe in building a future and we want to be a help to you. So email us if you're looking for suggestions, if you're looking for a local school or a, or a devotional program or a catechism program or a reading program, if you've never read the Bible before, email Liberty Coalition Canada and we, somebody will get in touch with you to help we walk you through that um, we want to help you in the year 2023. So, guys, a final thought from each of you for our listeners, and then I will sign us off. Well, I just want to thank all our listeners and our viewers and everybody who's uh, tuned into the myriad of hours, the plethora of hours that we have um, of content. Um, and I'm so thankful that I get to do this sort of stuff with you guys as well. Thankful for Liberty Coalition Canada giving me an opportunity. Um, and, you know, this it's getting to the year of uh, anniversary of me signing on with you guys. So it's been a whirlwind. We've grown and we've developed and we've made mistakes and we've learned a lot. And um, I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store. And I'm most excited for our listeners and supporters to come on the journey with us. We're at the beginning, guys. Like we said on a program not too long ago, we're not going back to putting our light under a bushel. Liberty Coalition Canada is here to stay. We're not stopping. There's, We're not going back to a time where you didn't have a voice, a Christian conservative voice in the culture speaking truth against all the lies. We're here we're staying and we need your support to make sure that we can continue to fight back against all the propaganda, all the mainstream media lies and bias. Um, so please continue to support. We're excited for all the plans that we have in the future. And I just praise God and give him all the glory for, you know, just how amazing this year has been and uh, the, the opportunity to work with you guys and, and, and to share the truth with our listeners. So so it's been it's been a wonderful year. Thanks, Matt. Andrew. Yeah, I you'd said something that, you know, don't don't think that it's all burning down and collapsing and you have no hope. So I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Um and 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 so here's 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 what I mean by that. I think that operationally we're we're, we're going to do the same things. Um, but, but, but I perceive it a little bit differently. And so I, I think that 
that Christian that Christendom 1.0, that Western civilization is indeed in its twilight. I think that the foundations are so rotted that it is going down, that it indeed is burning down, and that I think there are ashes in the future for Western culture as we have known it and as we've been blessed. Now, that doesn't cause me to lose hope, however, because I know that the job of the church for 2,000 years has been to build cultures from nothing and to leave death and destruction and to actually facilitate life. And so I am not hopeless at the fact that I think that Canada and North America and the West as we know it is in its twilight. It is going down. I think it is utterly collapsed. I think that like the minor prophets of old, um, the sin has been so great and the tremendous light that we, we have and we have had has been so neglected that the judgment of God has passed the point of no return. And I think that his judgment and the destruction of our culture is coming and it's certain and it, we're on the way down. But I'm not hopeless because I don't think that means that the microchips and the Antichrist will mean that Jesus comes back in the next week. I think that it's going down, but that's okay because God's bigger than North America and God's bigger than Western culture. And I look forward to a Christendom 2.0. I look forward to the building of a new culture and new civilizations. And part of the challenge that I would, I would give out to parents is that's not going to be your job. It's going to be the job of your children and your grandchildren. So your job, our job, us here in our 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, our job is not going to be rebuilding the culture. Our job is going to be giving our kids the tools, the materials, and the instructions to rebuild it after we're gone. Because after we go and after the destruction is full and final, someone's going to have to rebuild from the ashes. And that'll be our kids and our grandkids. So I, I believe, parents, your job is to equip your children to hand them off with a strong biblical church and worldview, to surround them with like-minded people and good people that they could marry and have their own kids with. But your job is to prepare them to do the difficult work of rebuilding a culture out of nothing. And the hope that we have is that we get to be a part of that. And I'm, I'm rather hopeful and excited, actually legitimately um, looking forward to being able to hand off to my kids everything that I think I've learned and inherited from the Lord and from the scriptures so that long after I'm gone, they will rebuild something marvelous. Uh, and I can, I can glory in the fact that I had a part to play, even though that part, you know, like a Jan Hus or like a, a, a Wycliffe, these were the proto-reformers. They didn't live to see Reformation bust out in Europe. They didn't live to see the fruit of Reformation, but they did the hard work of planting the seeds and it was their descendants in the faith who did it. And so I would challenge parents, do the hard work of planting seeds of faith. Your children and grandchildren will be the one that rebuild a wonderful culture. And you can praise God for that. And I'm excited. I'm personally excited for that. Mike, what do you have to top that? Not that it's a competition. That was good, Andrew. That was beautiful. I appreciate that. Mike, what are your final thoughts? Um. Yeah. I, I do want to thank each one of you guys. I, I with Matthew, I I want to make this a time of appreciation. You asked us to Tim talk a little bit about excitement and light, and uh, reflect at the goodness of God at this Christmas time, not in all the negative. So while darkness tries to overcome light, it has not overcome the light of Christ, and I think that we are all learning that with clarity. Really, as an intellect, 
I stand on nothing in comparison to great intellects as a pastor or a professional. I stand on nothing other than what I'm told or taught. And so we are all forced back to what is your foundation and any other foundation other than Christ is sand. And as you have mentioned now, Tim, and as Andrew has just mentioned, that means great hope for those of us who rest in Christ. And it virtually means great disaster for those who decide to rebel against him. So I think I just want to conclude with William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things from God. And I have more been thinking Expect great things from God and attempt small things for God. And we often lose hope and joy because we cannot see God's hand at work across the nations the way that we would like to clearly look. But if we culture build and we start, we return to kind of where this conversation began, Tim, with with how you kind of framed this you know, when we think of there is a time for everything, you know, there is always a time for building up your family to follow the Lord. There is always a time to being a part of a local church that proclaims Christ and then manifests the kingdom. And then there's always a time to be active. And so just, I'm thankful for you guys. I am thankful for our listeners. I'm so sorry to many of you for the fact that none of us know how to shut up. Um, Tim, I agree with Matthew. I don't know how you manage this show at all without smacking each one of us. So to our listeners, I do agree, uh, that I'm thankful for the journey that we're on and we're all going to continue to grow up and be more bold for Christ. It it helps that I can't reach you. Um, so that's your one saving grace. Um, Uh, I want to thank Red Balloon um, for their support of the show, for this beautiful studio today. Um, I gave them less than 24 hours notice that I was here and ready to shoot a show, and they opened this up for me and troubleshooted all everything to get this going. Um, So the guys at Red Balloon are fantastic. Go to redballoon.work. They promote uh, job postings. Slash LCC. Redballoon.work. Slash LCC. They promote workspaces that are free speech that are mandate free uh, places that share your uh, passion for liberty and Western culture, despite its de- decline in Drew's words. Uh, but for now, uh, go there and check them out and support them. Um, they are doing pioneering work here in the days that we live. And again, that's the answer. Um, the answer is often us as again, to quote Steve Dace's theme from last year, the answer is us not separate from God, but that in Mike Thiessen's words, uh, we need to be attempting things at the same time as we're expecting them for, from God. Uh, and and we don't, we're not the type of Christians, Lord willing, to say, well, we just trust God, full stop. We do, but we trust God and work. And we trust God and serve. And we trust God and do. And we trust God and speak. And we trust God and act. And so we, wanna, we do want to promote that um, flavor of Christianity, that worldview of Christianity, that we do believe in Andrew's words, that it is important what we do now for the future 
And so I, I do want to thank our sponsors for partnering with us this year. You've made it uh, LCC uh, a more stable organization. As Matt Halleck said, it's going nowhere. Thanks to the support of our listeners and the support of our sponsors. Um, thank you for your support. It, we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. It means that we can do what we're doing. Um, and so thank you for supporting this show, which has just recently came out. I think, when did we start? Summer or fall? Um, but this... Sh- it's episode seven. There we go. So um, the do numbers, the math. The number uh, of perfection. It's spring. So we are we are thankful. <laughs> um, and, and Liberty Coalition is going to continue broadcasting. Liberty Lounge is going to come at you with more shows. We are going to be building a studio like this uh, more locally so that we can uh, put out more high-quality content. So Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Go forward in the confidence that only God can provide and the hope of a future that only God can provide. Uh, But at the same time, do the hard work um, to see that come through. So listeners, thank you once again for joining us on Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso. We will see you next year. God bless.